into your password. You have no new messages and six saved messages. To record and send a message, press 2. To review saved messages, press 3. Active reminder, Monday, July 27th, time 9.47 a.m. What's up? Not a man. Just trying to catch up, I guess, really. I'm, I'm behind on a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's about it. What about you, man? Dude, we have, we have had a crazy week with uh, sickness and everything else. So, But first, how was your... How was uh, going back to school? Didn't you start? You started this week? Last Monday, yep. Started back at work, and exciting place to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know last time you gave us a, a great indication of how you really felt about it, but well, is it any better? Did you get any new teachers or anything? Well, um, we had the teachers came back today, actually. Okay. We had to go back a week ahead of time, and... Uh, we had a teacher call in sick already on the first day and a no-show. <laughs> so wow. it's just like I'm hoping it's not a you know precursor of things to come, and that's what I'm telling myself, and just making sure I say positive words and, and all that good stuff. <laughs> so uh, it's going to work out. It's going to be a better year than last. It's just not starting off that way, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to work with what you got, right? Yeah, they, they won't let me beat them, so I just have to go through all the HR policies to take care of them. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, man, this what's going on with you? I knew that uh, there, I, I saw the, the picture of your, your, I think it was your middle child, hit her head on the toilet, but I didn't know there was some sickness that followed with that. Yeah. No, it was it was crazy, man. It was, it was terrible. All right. First of all, last week we started out with um, – an epidemic of pink eye <laughs> that spread through our family. So my middle child got it, and then, like, she she cannot stand the drops. And the drops don't hurt, right? I'm just putting yeah. them in, but she's, like, freaking out, and i got to hold her down and everything, which is terrible. You hate to hold down your child and <laughs> try, try to get them to take medicine. But then she's just starting to get over it, and then Felicity, the oldest child, she gets it, and just out of the blue, out of the blue, it was like her eye was running full of snot. It was disgusting. <laughs> I've never seen this. So then, you know, then we're dealing with that, and then it's Monday night, and uh, they're in the tub, uh, two of them, Jackie and I are cleaning up dinner, and, you know, we, we let them play in the tub. That's fine. Whenever they're not, they're being quiet, that's when we go check on them. So they were all giggling. They're usually giggling or yelling or whatever. And they were quiet, so I went and checked on them. And Felicity's like, oh, i got to use the bathroom. i got to use the toilet. And I was like, okay, that's fine, whatever. And so she, I give her some privacy and leave, and then she uses it and gets, gets back in the tub. And then Deidre, wanting to be just like her big sister, goes to get out of the tub and sit on the toilet too. And the only thing I can figure is, like, she was climbing halfway up, and then she, like, moved and slipped, and bam, like, right there on the tank, the edge of the tank. And, like, I heard it from the other room. It was like, and then, like, immediately crying. And so Jackie and I looked at each other, and we were like, oh, man, that sounded bad. So I went in there, and she's standing there crying, holding her head, and, like, her hands are, like, one hand's down, one hand's holding her head. I was like, what happened? And then, like, I see blood on her, and I see it on the toilet, and I see it on the floor. And I was like, oh, holy cow, what happened? 
<laughs> I thought she cut herself, and then I got closer, and I saw that it wasn't a cut. It had actually split. The impact had split the skin on her forehead, and I like, I was like, Jackie, uh, I think maybe I'm going to have to take this one to the ER. I don't know. <laughs> she runs in. She's like, what? Why? Oh, oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. She, like, takes one glance at it, and then she's like, okay, you can go ahead and do that. <laughs> and, oh, my word. But it, it was like Felicity, when she saw the blood, right, she was like, oh, there's bleed. There's bleed. <laughs> she, like, ran out of the tub, stark naked, and she was running around the house, and she went and found Mom. She was like, call the police. Call everybody. <laughs> Jackie grabs her, like, sits her down, tries to calm her down. <clears throat> and I'm like, I grab Deidre. I'm like, Jackie, where are the band-aids? Do we have any butterfly bandages? And uh, she's like, no. I was like, call the next-door neighbors. They're not there. And I was like, okay, all right, calm down. Everybody calm down. So I grab her. I put a little bit of gauze on there and, like, tape it shut with some band-aids loosely so that um, I can show the doctors. It wasn't bleeding a whole lot, so I didn't have to, like, apply pressure or anything. I didn't think her brains were going to come out. <laughs> so, so I lay her down, put a diaper on her, and I try to clothe her, and I'm, like, thinking, okay, play clothes, something that can get dirty or bloody. And so, like, I start with the first thing, and, like, the neck hole is way too tight. So, like, it, like, rips down <laughs> the cut, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so, like, I get the biggest set of pajamas I can find, put it on her. I was like, okay, well, we're going to the hospital. Wrap her in. By that time, she's, you know, she's just whimpering. She's fine. And I was like, just don't touch it. And we're driving along, and I'm like, do you, do you want music? And she's like, yeah, music, now. <laughs> like, okay, all right, music. And she's only, she's only two and a half. And uh, this poor girl. But we get there. We get to the doctor's office, or the, the ER, and I don't know. I've never been to the ER as a father. Jackie had to go with her. Uh, when I was in the Air Force, I was away, so she had to take her one time when she was two weeks old. But... Um, so I go there, and they sit me down, and they're like, okay, what happened? I was like, well, I think she slipped and hit her head on the toilet. And, uh, you know, I didn't tell them that they were bathing by themselves. And it's <laughs> yeah. not probably a good thing I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, they were like, well, did you see it? And, like, all of a sudden, the wheels in my head start turning. I'm like, what are they really asking? I'm like, no. They're like, did mom see it? I was like... No. And they're like, well, did anyone see it? I was like, oh, oh yes, yes. Her, her sister, her sister saw it. They're like, okay, how old is she? I was like, four. And they were like, okay. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a phone call this week. I'm getting a knock on the door this week. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. So anyway, they go. We wait in the waiting room. She's fine. We're playing, we're playing dolls. We're playing princess, Disney princesses. And uh, <laughs> so they find that. <laughs> What'd you say? We gotta get some video footage of that. Oh yeah, it was great. She was like, "What are you doing here?" I'm fine. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're having fun, and uh, <laughs> they finally call her name back, and the doctor, actually, it's the nurse practitioner, comes in. She's like, "Oh well, 
you know, this looks like we'll have to stitch it up. And I'm like, stitches? Seriously? Can, is, can we glue it? You know, can we? Because this kid came out, and he had he had the same thing. He had hit his head on the bumper of a car while his dad was trying to teach him how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> Poor dad. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he's got his head glued shut. I'm like, you know, that scarring, that, that's probably better. That's probably the best thing. So she looks at it. She's like, yeah, maybe we could. She starts squeezing it and everything. And uh, she's like, yeah, maybe we could do that. So then three nurses come in, her and two other nurses come in, and they start holding down my daughter, and I'm holding down her legs, and they're trying to clean the cut and glue it, which it doesn't hurt, but she's so scared of being held down from these drops and everything that I've been trying, I've been giving her for the pink eye. So, like, she's freaking out. And then the weirdest thing happens, Jared. This lady comes in into the room, and it's like, you know, a room with a divided curtain. It's not like our own little room or anything, but it has a divided curtain. She walks in. She has a kid on her hip, sets the kid down, brushes the hair out of her face, and all of a sudden the nurse says, oh, mommy's here. And I look at her, and I look at the nurse, and I'm like, oh, okay, they look similar. You know, maybe it's like a mom, grandma, grandchild type thing. I was like, all right, she's bringing her kid to work to to meet her mom. That's that's weird that she's doing it here, but, you know, I could see that, whatever. And so, like, we're, I just turn around. I'm wearing khakis, and I'm wearing a, a blue shirt, so it's, I'm not wearing scrubs or anything. So I'm holding down Idris' legs, and she cries out, and the lady says, oh, it's okay, baby, mommy's here. And I look at her and do a double take, and I'm like, what's going on here? And I, <laughs> and I look at her, and I try not to laugh, and I'm like, I don't think this is your child. And she looks at me great face and she's like what do you mean and I was like I really this is my child I don't think this is your child <laughs> and like she's like oh well she sounds just like my little Evelyn she picks up her other daughter and she walks out and like the nurse practitioner's like who was that who let her in here and I was like I have no idea and she's like why did you say here's mommy and I was like that wasn't me that was her and I point to the nurse and that nurse is like that wasn't me. That was her. She said it. She points to the <laughs> other nurse. <laughs> like, and then the, la- the lady's like, well, how come she couldn't tell it wasn't her child? All while she's trying to glue my daughter's forehead shut. She were her- carrying on this conversation. And I'm like, it's because you got her your hands all over her face. She couldn't see who it was. And all I could yeah. think at that point was like, I hope Evelyn's okay. I don't know what's going on with her, but I hope she's all right. Word, how weird. It was. It was. It was crazy. I didn't know what was going on. Anyway, when I told Jackie that, he, he busted up laughing. So I knew we were okay. <laughs> but then after that, Jackie got strep throat, and I'm I'm trying to get over something. So if my voice gives out, that's what's going on here. But other than that, I mean, we've had a great week. So strep <laughs> throat. <laughs> I didn't know you two were sick too. Gosh. Yeah, Jackie. For some reason, she got strep. None of us else. Nobody else had strep, and then uh, I had. Either allergies or just a cold or something, but we uh, we had a busy weekend. We were doing something with the youth group, the junior high youth group, and uh, it's so crazy, man. I didn't even know it, but I guess there was a quarterback for uh, Denver, and I don't I don't watch football, but we have the quarterback's daughter in our youth group, and I never knew it. <laughs> and then, like, I just found out. Have you heard of Mike Church? He's on uh-huh. like Sirius Satellite Radio. He's uh. He goes by the handle King Dude. I don't know. He's got like he's on uh, the Patriot Radio, so he's got a radio show. 
And his daughter was there too. And I I learned all this afterwards. I was just like, oh, hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm Mr. Andy. What's up? Yeah, that's awesome. And you guys, you guys help out with the youth group up there? Yeah, yeah, we were, well, we were on staff up until uh, July 1st, and they hired a full-time youth pastor. Oh, all right, well, that's cool. What what church is this? We go to Dayton Avenue Baptist Church in Slovenia, behind the old Walmart. Oh. Right. It's probably been a while since you've been up here. It has. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, old Walmart? <laughs> the old, huh, huh? I'm trying to remember where everything is. Is that near Kroger or no? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right with it. Yeah, you're right. All right, right on. <laughs> so what were you guys doing? Every every Wednesday you got, uh, or did you do something this weekend, or you just, you had yeah, youth group well, on um, Let's see. Yeah, Wednesday was the youth group, and then obviously, you know, Sunday school was on Sunday, but we do activities. Like this coming Saturday, we're doing a dress as your favorite movie star or superhero night. So did we're going to do that. Did you add in the superhero thing? I, I I didn't actually. I was really surprised, but I think hopefully the youth pastor and I are on the same wavelength. He knows about Tina Turner and he knows about the comic book room. So hey, all right. Hopefully it's going to work out. <laughs> right on. By the way, I took your advice and I downloaded some uh, Tina. So I haven't I haven't sampled any yet. I haven't I've been haven't tasted the forbidden fruit, but but. I do have some now in my, you know, in my playlist I can cycle through. Well, let's give out our contact information. We're working on a website, um, 616politics.wordpress.com. And then if anybody out there wants to email us, it's uh, 616politics at gmail.com. And we, be- we might as well go ahead and explain that. Uh, I had somebody come to me today and say, uh, 616, you do know that that's like an interpretation of the number of the beast, right? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, y- yeah, yeah, no, it, it's comic books. And the guy's like, <laughs> comic books? What does that have to do with anything? So you want to go ahead and explain it, or do you know? Yes, 616 is Marvel's continuity that they're currently in right now. Uh, there are other continuities they have, you know, like 2099 and and stuff like that. But for the mainstream Marvel continuity, it is 616. And just to clarify, 666 is the mark of the beast, not 616. <laughs> so I hope you let that guy know that. <laughs> I did. There are, uh, I don't know if you remember, but um, we took some, in, in New Testament, survey in New Testament, who was that? Hoffaditz. Yes, Hoffaditz. Yeah, Dr. Hoffaditz, He he said, you know, there was, there's different interpretations, or, you know, it can be 616 or 696 or 666. So I did remember that. Um, but I believe the fishy thing is, if anybody knows, Alan Moore is the one to term uh, current Marvel continuity as 616. And the only reason that's fishy is because he is a Wiccan, as I understand. I think that's true. And he... Um, he was the first one to say it. But if you look in the the issue, the latest issue of Exiles, Exiles number five, you'll see when they say Earth, I think that one has five digits. I think it's like 10, 12, 0 or something like that. Um, so they do cross over to different continuities, different uh, parallel universes. And I'm not sure what the ultimate line, it's not 616, it's, it's something else. And I'm sure uh, Marvel Noor is probably Noir is probably uh, a different one, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know uh, 
I know you do some trades, but not all trades, but you uh, pick up the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, the new hardbacks that they're putting out? Yeah. In the back of them, it lists all of the different continuities, and it's amazing how many there are. You don't realize it until you sit back and read them. And they got to keep track of them all, too. That's what's nuts. Yeah, whose job is that? <laughs> Tom Brevard, or Brev- how do you say his name? The editor? You know what yeah, I'm talking Brevard, about? Revort. <laughs> we need to we need to figure out how to say these people's names. That's our top priority. Write that down. I absolutely agree with you because <laughs> now that we're recorded, we can't just say whatever we used to say. You know. That's that's true. That's true. All right. So let's see what we got now is. Uh, we're going to go through some some stuff that's on sale now, and we're going to summarize and review and talk about it a little bit. And then we'll go through catching up. You read a lot of uh, X-Men Legacy. Are you all caught up to where it is currently? The whole se- Well, I did the whole series, but the last issue. Okay. All right. So what is that, 225? I was just like, well, we'll get to the new arc when I get all the issues. <laughs> all right. And that's the one with... Rogue, or did you start? Yeah, I finished up. I finished up that one. The the next one starting was a uh, was like kind of an artsy cover with, uh, with all the different past X Men. I think it might have been two twenty four. Oh, okay, right. I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, you got them in front of you. I do. All right. Fantastic. We'll start out with. I don't know how many you got to read. I know you told me that you didn't. Um, you didn't get to all of them. So I had three keeps. Two cells and one shred out of our six that we did. And we did Captain America Reborn number one, Thunderbolts 134, Immortal Weapons number one, New Avengers number 55, Spider Man number 600, X Force number 17. So we can go ahead and start with Captain America. You okay. want? Captain America Reborn, it was good. It was Brew Baker and Hitch, which is always a good combination. I'm really digging where Brew Baker's coming from here. And I, I look back, you know, it shows him uh, hitting Normandy. What I really liked about this on page five is uh, look at that guy's armor. They made it yeah. useful and functional, but yet still look like Captain America. He's wearing a helmet, he's wearing the, like the boot sleeves, and he's got some armor going on. I thought that was fantastic. But then they go through uh, him getting shot and everything, and then Bucky and Natasha, who is the Black Widow, they go out and take out, uh, I think it's a hammer helicarrier, right? Going through. Like. And yeah. Then, yeah, that's pretty darn big. <laughs> and then um, they cut to some Avengers, and they have Hank Pym, who right now I think is the sorriest character in the 616. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, buddy, but he's he's been away on a scroll ship for who who knows how long. Um, and then his wife or his ex-wife died, and he's taking on her mantle as Wasp. And supposedly, this one's gonna stick because he's been so many people. He's been like Giant Man, Ant Man. He's been Goliath. This guy, he doesn't know what he's doing. But he's supposedly, like, really smart, so... Doesn't that really make you question how smart he is, then? I think he's smart, but indecisive. All right, so we got Darren Carter, who is the ex-lover of Captain America, and she goes ahead and tells him that she was brainwashed by Armin Zola and shot Steve. And, but she goes and says that 
Uh, and I looked this up. I was like, I don't remember this. But back in issue 42 of Captain America, we see when everything goes down, they are trying to use her and one of Doom's, like, portal slash time devices to, to, to do something. And they, they don't say what it is in issue 42. But they say that she's the constant, or they allude that she's the constant. But they reveal in this that they were trying to bring him back from being stuck in time. And because of what happened, because the process was interrupted, now he's unstuck in time. And that's why we see him later, at the very end, he's at the beach in Normandy. And he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, what's, what's going on? And Bucky's there. But, um, so this should be interesting. This should be interesting. I called this a, a keep because, first and foremost, I mean, it, it really does continue the story that Brubaker's been telling this whole time. I mean, I thought that at issue 43, where Bucky took the mantle, I thought the story was over, and I thought, like, volume one of Brubaker had been finished and volume two had begun. But it does look like he's telling still an overall story. So I just find that fascinating that he can tie everything together. Do you think that, uh, you think that was his intention? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they kept, they kept Bucky uh, as Captain America out of secret evasion for the most part. I mean, he showed up here and there, but they, he didn't really, you know, they kind of left it alone. So I kind of think that even though this is, this is intertwining with Dark Reign and, um, you know Captain America coming back is going to throw a, a wrench in Osborne's plans. But I think they let Brubaker kind of do what he wanted to do because he was doing such a good job and was selling so well. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on it because obviously when he proposed his pitch to Joe Quesada that you know, there had to be him coming back, I would assume. I would assume so. I, I mean, it's one of Marvel's flagship characters for them to just kill him off and just say, yeah, we'll just uh, wait a couple years and think of something. I guess I just don't really see that happening. So, yeah, I think it might have been his long-term plan, but I think also that he's added a ton of stuff and, and realized, oh, we can do this and we can do that, and that's any good story writer, you know? Right, yeah. I think he I think he did incorporate a lot of what was going on in the 616 into his book. And I, I think that maybe, I mean... Don't you think it's possible that he went to Joe and, and he was like, you know what, it's not Captain America, it's not Steve Rogers, it's the mantle of Captain America that needs to keep going, and I'm going to bring Bucky back and he's going to pass it along? I don't know. I think that's possible. I don't know if they necessarily said, you know, Steve Rogers has to come back. And what I don't understand, didn't we see Iron Man bury Captain America? Like, didn't they? I, I didn't have time to go look this up, but didn't, like, his body shrivel down to like what it was before he had the, the super soldier serum and like they so I don't know how they're gonna but I mean Brubaker is a good writer so he should be able to you know incorporate I'm just not sure yeah, I think if anybody could, could take care of it it would be him he's just one of the Marvel's flagships right now he, he could write anything you know he could write My Little Pony and probably make it really interesting <laughs> which will be out from Marvel in six months <laughs> <laughs> And you'll get royalties. <laughs> yeah. It was my idea. Brubaker <laughs> <laughs> is listening now. What do you think about the the art for this issue? Are you a big Hitch guy? Um, I am. I think that if you if you see his stuff more like too much, then you know then you can get tired of it. But I do think he does a good job. I don't know who the regular artist is on Captain America. Uh, way everywhere from uh, Captain America one to twelve. 
I don't know who did that, and I don't know if they stuck with it, but I think that guy's art is fantastic. So, John Cassidy? Is it? Was it? Is that who it was, John Cassidy? I can't, re- I, I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should be more prepared. <laughs> <laughs> we should know everything about every issue so we can have a good discussion. Hey, we're learning. You know what? This is That's for right. us. This is for us. If anybody wants to listen in and eavesdrop on our conversation, then <laughs> by all means. What do you do? Well, like, do, you, do you like Hitch? Well, I don't, but I think that he's, like, ridiculously improved. Because I first saw his stuff, um, he did an X-Men versus Group limited series back in the mid-90s, and nobody noticed it, nobody said anything about his art, and I didn't like it at all. And then he came back and did Ultimate. He just appeared, and I hated the Ultimate art. I just didn't care for it. But it was so, so it, why, why didn't you care for it? It was, like, so detailed. Well, but it's, I don't, to me, it just looks kind of sloppy. <laughs> like, I'm looking at the picture of Aries. you say Aries or Aries? Air, I say Aries. Oh, Aries. He's Aries. I'm looking at the picture of Aries, the big flash page of him. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's that's the god of war. That It just looks like a bunch of, a bunch of like he covered so much with black, I don't. You say it's really detailed. I don't think it's that detailed. Well, I do know in Ultimates they said it was detailed. I, I can't necessarily see it here, like you're saying, but I think he might have been trying to. I don't want. I don't want to speak for him, obviously, but I think he might have been trying to stay in the same vein of the the Captain America theory, because it does look similar to that. I think. Like I said, he. I feel like it is a big improvement over his other stuff, but he still no. He's no Jim Lee or Todd McFarlane in my book yet. <laughs> well, what do you think about Lionel Yu then? Because he does his stuff. Must you must think it's sloppy. Yeah, that's why it was a really struggle to read uh, uh, Secret Invasion because I had such high hopes for it. But not only did the story disappoint me, but then the art. I was like, of all the people, why can't you pick one of the Cooper brothers? Oh, uh, see, I lo- I dug it. I love his art, especially. <laughs> The new X-Men stuff right before Secret Invasion where he didn't have an inker and he just did a lot of the, the like the heavy pencils. Oh, that was that was fantastic. My only beef with him is that he draws people's tear ducts. Kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. I mean, he does it in every single comic. But, I, I mean, I think he's really talented. Anyway, all right, enough of this one. Enough of this one. All right. <laughs> like a distant shot a character's a mile away but you still see the tear dust <laughs> exactly and his uh, his ultimate Hulk versus ultimate Wolverine or ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk I mean yeah. you can see you can see the Hulk's <laughs> tear dust <laughs> alright I had uh, Thunderbolts do a quick uh, synopsis of this Thunderbolts 134 and maybe you know some of these characters I don't I don't know. I know you're still. I know you're catching up. All right. We open at the CSA Advanced Technology Research Facility in Portland, Oregon, and uh, we're greeted by Abe Jenkins, who is Mach Four, and Norbert Ebersol, the Fixer. And they're talking about an upgrade to the Mach Four suit when Songbird smashes through the building just to say hi. And <laughs> <laughs> hi. We, we then cut to the Headsman and Mr. X at the Thunderbolt headquarters, the Cube. Headsman tries to get to know Mr. X, but he gets agitated as he is coaxed into a fight. 
Mr. X is kicking Hedman's butt and is about to squeeze the life out of him when Black Widow, who is Yelana Belova, stops the fight from a computer monitor. Hedman throws a knife at Mr. X as he leaves. X catches it and says he will return it to him when he least expects it. And this is, this is one thing I do like about this series. Everybody's at each other's throats, and they're all bad guys, so you can't really root for anybody, and you never know who's going to be on or off the team. So that's kind of cool. And they're not really friends either. They no. all kind of hate each other. No, they do. <laughs> they do hate each other. All right, well, back in Portland, Songbird is trying to enlist Mach 4 and the Fixer to help her evade and take down Osborne. The Fixer's not too keen on the idea, but Mach 4 says that of course they will. Uh, Songbird thanks them and begins to leave, but before she does, she kisses Mach 4, and the Fixer remarks that that was a long time coming. I'm not familiar with these characters, but I went back and looked up. They are on the original Thunderbolts team. So, maybe not the original, but the last incarnation with uh, Baron Zemo. So, but they're, but they're so... Anyway, I'll get into that later. Whatever. All right. <laughs> Black Widow, who has secretly been working for Nick Fury, is flying over Oregon airspace. Uh, she has Fury on the screen giving him a sit rep of the Thunderbolts. And this is cool. This is a good line. Scourge is loyal to whoever is giving orders. Paladin's loyal to whoever's paying him. The rest are loyal to themselves. So that's a pretty good, a pretty good follow-up or, or catch-up to everybody who's jumping on this book. Yeah. Osborne cuts in and tells Widow that Scourge will take... Uh, will be the team leader for this mission, and Yolanda has to stay at Thunderstrike to monitor Songbird, Songbird's communication. Because they're targeting her for some reason, because I guess she's a huge threat. I don't really see that. <laughs> we, cut, we cut to a chase scene with missiles going after Songbird and the rest of the Thunderbolts bragging about their position and their ability to take out Songbird anytime they wanted. Uh, she flings one of the missiles back into the ship, and uh, Black Widow has ejected. On the ground, Yelana approaches Songbird and tells her to get up and do exactly what she says. Songbird doesn't trust her, but Yelana tells her that she has undergone genetic camouflage, and she falls to the ground in pain as she gets rid of this camouflage. She gets up, and we see that Black Widow is not Yelana Bova, but is really Natasha Romanov, uh, the original Black Widow. Yeah. Uh, not the original, but the the current, uh, the modern age Black Widow. So, I don't know, man. This, of all the books, I, I said this one was a shred. We, we, this book was so poor. I, it was like, it was kind of like jumping from here to here and the storyline. It was all to just show you that Black Widow is working for Nick Fury and it's not who you think. That's the whole story. I don't know. I, the cover's good, and I'm always a fan of Ghost, but he wasn't even in the issue. I mean, like, if you're looking at the cover, you see Ghost, and you see him attacking Songbird, which does not happen in the issue. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm always a fan of that. <laughs> Buy this, and you will never see this happen. <laughs> I don't care for the C-less characters. Um let alone the ones we don't even know. I mean, I know that I haven't read Thunderbolts that far back. I think I jumped aboard right when, um, who was it? Was it Warren Ellis or Garth Ennis was taken over? Mm-hmm. One of those two. I, was I thought it was Warren Ellis. Yeah. Okay. I thought. When he was taken over, that's when I jumped aboard. Uh, it was good art on the recap page, but 
We don't know. It didn't tell us anything about those people. I mean, it had, yeah. Yeah, just their names. Right, and I, I, and I love that art. And you're looking at Ghost, and you're like, oh, dude, what's up with that guy? And we didn't see Ant-Man, and we didn't see Paladin, and we didn't see Scourge, like, hardly at all. I don't know. This story was pretty shallow. It was lacking, I thought. Well, I mean, did, how is this really... Is it really progressing the story that much? Well, for now, for, for what I understand, I mean, they just picked up Mr. X last issue, and he's supposedly this, this great martial arts guy, and he's all about, you know, kicking tail and everything and developing his own martial arts for him. And, but all we saw was that Black Widow is, is indeed working for Nick Fury, but it's not who we think it is, and that's the whole story. Last issue or the issue before that, we found out that Ghost is is ready to take down Osborn. He doesn't really like him, and we don't know who that is. We, we know that Ant-Man wants out, but we don't know anything about Paladin or Headsman or Scourge. I mean, these characters, it's like, and you're not even doing a character study per issue. It's just, you know, kind of a smattering, and maybe we'll get to a story. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on the guy, but I really don't see, I don't see us keeping on this book as a core title. I thought, I thought, I suspected it was because it's very much tied to Osborne. This is where Osborne got his roots because he was in charge of this before he got his uh, director of Hammer status. But I, I'm losing confidence in this. Well, and most of the characters that Osborne had on Thunderbolt, he's now taken and turned them into Dark Avengers. I mean, the, the characters that were selling this book, like Bullseye and, and uh, Venom, like that's what made you tune in to see how are they going to try and redeem these characters. And that's, now yeah. you've got the C and D list characters, except for Songbird. I have always loved Songbird, but otherwise I'm just like, who? I don't really even care about these people, let alone what they're going to do and what they're going to do for Osborne. And and really, like Osborne has his hand in so many things. He's got Dark X Men and Dark Avengers. These are like his. It's a loser team, you know, like, what's the <laughs> point of these guys? If you've got Dark Avengers, Dark X-Men, yeah, these is are, there even a need for them? These are supposed to be the Black Ops guys, you know, but we don't see them doing anything, anything Black Ops. Uh, they went in to take out Mr. X last time, and they recruited him instead, which was all part of the plan, but they haven't had any top-secret Black Ops missions, and... What they did try to do was they tried to take out Deadpool. Look, he's not... Deadpool's psychotic. He's, he's no threat to anybody. If you pay him off, he'll stay away from you. Yes, but when Deadpool appears in your issue, you sell 20,000 more copies. Sad but true. I mean, I, I like Deadpool. I like that he yeah. breaks the fourth wall, but he's a, little, he's a little tough to take at times. So anyway, this issue spread. Well, and what do you think about the whole genetic... Oh, oh, the, the genetic camouflage. Okay, yeah, I did have that in my notes. No, it seems like you're opening up a Pandora's box that we just don't want to open. Yep. I mean, we, we, we just went through the scroll invasion, and that's basically the same thing. You don't want to say you can do this. And it's kind of like the, um, the going through time with Messiah War. You say, oh, we can go through time now, so now we can try to go and fix anything for a, for a set number of days. But it's just like that. Let's go in time and try to fix anything. Let's go back to 1906 and Uncanny 513 and, and see if we can find the first mutant. But you know what? Let's just change our genetic ca- our, our camo so we can look like anybody. 
I don't know. I mean, you're giving way too much power to the characters in the universe. I agree. Because then why wouldn't you ever use that, you know? Right. Go, back, go back in time and use genetic camouflage in every instance. You would prevent everything possibly bad. You know, it's, it's not good. Not yeah. good. No, I, <laughs> I'm against it as well. But one other beef I had with this, I mean, we see, obviously, uh, Black Widow has been playing uh, Yolanda for quite some time. Uh, but she's in Iron Man, she's in Captain America, and she's had a prominent role in Captain America. Yeah. So it's like, how can she be all, all in these places at the same time? I know that's, that's kind of like the Wolverine thing, like he's in a bunch of stuff, but this is a character who is a spy, and she does have a, a, a point not just to sell, sell books. She's a supporting character, and I almost think she's almost more important as a supporting role in Captain America than Wolverine is in, in uh, New Avengers. So I don't, I don't know how they can reconcile that. And I, I'm not sure if they divide up the editorial thing or if they look at it and just say, you know what, we're going to go for it and hope <laughs> nobody cares. I don't know. Anyway, that book was a shred. For plan B. Uh, next up, Immortal Weapon. This was kind of cool. Uh, Jason Aaron wrote it. All right, coming off of Immortal Iron Fist issue 27... The first volume of Iron Fist is over. Misty Knight and Danny Rand are going to have a baby, and I think they're engaged. I don't know if you recall. I don't. That's new to me. Well, oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> You're my Iron Fist guy. All right, well, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I still got to catch up on my heroes for hire, so I don't know much about Misty. Okay. All right, so the next five issues, according to uh, Korzynski, um, are stories other than the uh, of the other immortal weapons from the other heavenly cities behind besides Kinloon, and uh, this first one is Fat Cobra. Um, it opens with Fat Cobra getting a massage by a ton of girls, and the writer named Carmichael comes in to give Cobra a manuscript that he's of his researched past. Uh, because of the content, Carmichael wants to just drop it off, but Cobra wants him to read it out loud. Cobra was a child of pig farmers, and his mom died during childbirth, and his dad could not feed him because of the huge appetite that he had, because he's fat, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so he gave him up to Pung Lai Orphanage, which I think Pung Lai means friends come here, I think, if I'm reading that right. All right, so anyway, soon the orphanage can't feed him either, and they send him away. He's picked up and trained to be an op uh, by an opera company, and he's hailed as one of the best. Uh, and he can't remember any of this. That's why he had Carmichael write this, so he wanted to know about his past. Uh, it recounts his first intimate adventure as well as his first time killing a man. Then it cuts to him joining both sides of the Chinese Civil War to fight, just to fight, it seems. And then uh, after that, Fat Cobra trains with the great Iron Crutch Khan, where he is abused and discriminated against until, the, until he decides to go up against Shang Yao, the giant dragon snake. Fat Cobra loses, and uh, we get a snapshot of him throughout history. After he goes that, he, he does many things. He was a, a monster hunter uh, with Ulysses Bloodstone, and then he was with Union Jack. Uh, he wins an eating competition against Volstag. <laughs> okay, Volstag from Asgard. Uh, Hercules and another alien-looking dude like Gorg or Gorn or something. And he ends up fighting with Nick Fury against Russian werewolves. 
somehow. All right. So he again tries to face the great snake dragon and uh, is torn in half this time. And eventually his lower half grows back. Then Fat Cobra inquires uh, how he finally beat the great snake dragon and becomes the immortal weapon, Fat Cobra. And Carmichael tells him that it was his children that helped him to do this. And suddenly he's overjoyed because this whole time he's really sad about this. Over the years, apparently, Fat Cobra has had many, many children with many, many women of different races and different species because there was some scroll in there. And eventually, they all come for him and they try to kill him. For some reason, because he shirked the responsibility, I'm guessing. And what does he do? He kills every single last one of them. And he finally has enough training now, killing his children, to take on Yang Yao and defeat him. Disgusted, Fat Cobra needs to be alone, but wants some strong wine first. He then burns the manuscript after being left alone. Uh, and then there was a backup story, um, which featured actually Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Um, the collection of these backstories over the next five issues equal the next actual issue of Immortal Iron Fist, so it would be like issue 28, according to uh, Swarzynski on the Marvel podcast. That's what he said. So we cut to seven years ago. Luke Cage and Iron Fist apprehend a druggy dad for um, the bettering of his kids. So they go in and they say, hey, you need to get yourself clean. Uh, for your kid's sake, and they take him to jail, but Danny feels like he has to look after the kids. So then we cut to now, and uh, a thug has sent, set Danny's hands on fire in the middle of a fight, and, uh, which I thought was cool because they said that you know, his hands are on fire with the, the chi of the dragon, if that's how you say it. Yeah. But this is real fire, and it really hurts, he said. So he runs to the sink. <laughs> All right, so he's with the little girl now who takes classes at his school, and her name is Jada. And Jada came home one day from her class and saw an ambulance taking her murdered father away. She finds out that her father gave her life, his life, to defend her little brother, a brother who is now missing. Danny takes notice that Jada is absent for two days from school and goes to look for her. He then suits up and attacks the men that killed her father in their own apartment. Um, That is the fight we see in the very beginning. And we are left with the question of where, where is Jada's brother and with Jada vowing to make them give him back. So first we'll tackle the uh, Immortal Weapon Fat Cobra story. First off, excellent cover if you're looking at it. I like the tattoos. And we have a good um, variant edition cover if you look at that. you got some. It's uh, less detailed, but um, it's good. It shows the Iron Fist. By the way, I like Iron Fist's more recent costume. That one back in the day, man, with the giant collar. Goodness gracious, <laughs> what? Who designed that? Man. Oh, I just think about Luke Cage, though. I mean, the dude wore a tiara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't laugh at that guy. I mean, he's just way too big. <laughs> All right. Point, but I guess you could yet laugh at a huge yellow collar. Like, man, I mean, he could slice you up just with his collar. I think he's so sharp. <laughs> All right. Well, what I got out of this story, I didn't think it was that good of a story. Uh, This was a sell for me um, on our scale of keep, sell, and shred. Because it really didn't give... It wasn't Swarzynski, so it's kind of not like 
it's still canon, but it's not true Iron Fist, I guess, in my mind. We get a lot of yeah. stuff. And I think the theme of this was Cy Cobra lived his whole life trying to fill his hedonistic tendency. Like, he wanted to be the greatest. He was trying to be an opera singer. He was trying to get with all these women all the time. He was just drinking. He was getting massages. He was living a hedonistic life. So, first of all, I don't know why he was trying to be uh, an immortal weapon, because that doesn't even fit in with that. But I think, I mean, I guess it was for the fame. But the whole thing, he, he killed his own kids for this, and even at the end, when he's faced with all this bad news, he keeps saying, oh, well, what about this? How did I do this? How did I get this? You know, thinking that he's going he's gonna to get something like good news, and he wants to end on it. But at the very end, he still is in denial, and he burns the manuscript that he had uh, Carmichael write and, and research, and he's, he asks for wine to drown away his sorrows. And I think the reason why he turned to wine instead of women was even though he had all those women around him in the beginning was because the women, he thought, were the cause of his problem with all those kids. He didn't feel good about killing his kids, but in his mind, it wasn't his fault, it wasn't his problem, it was all those women he had, so he was going to turn to something else for the time being until he forgot. I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't get too much out of this, and I'll have to see how the the other ones go, but they're all different writers, so I don't think Jason Aaron is doing all of them. It looks interesting. I, I got I mean, I did not read the issue, but I thumbed through it, and just looking at some of the stuff and hearing your description, I think it's something I wouldn't be... I, I definitely take your advice, but I definitely want to read it for myself, too, before I would move it to the step. Because I guess I'm one of those people that like it when they can add different stuff to old Marvel continuity. You know? They can throw in this piece about him with Union Jack, and they've got him in Atlantis, and they've got him with Hercules. And um, you see that he uh, he mated with some people from the Shi'ar and the Skrulls, and that's really interesting. To me. I can see that. I can see how you can fit that in, and and I did like that with the um, the Wolverine Origins book, how they did meet uh, Captain America and Bucky um, earlier, and Nick Fury. But this, I, I'm gonna have to see where it goes. I'm not gonna move it to the keep yet because I want to see where the other the other weapons are, and maybe this weapon isn't, you know, just isn't as good or as interesting as the other ones, but. But still, and I, I was not a fan of the art either, and I don't know what it was. I mean, it might have been the coloring, because everything had like a, a reddish hue to it. And I know they did have different artists, but the, the yeah. main art, when they go back to Carmichael, I don't know, that seems really sketchy. I did like, I did like the backup story, but again, it was told in four different times. I mean, the first, I couldn't, I, it took me a while to sit down and piece this all together, because... The first one was seven years ago, which I can do that. And then the second one was during the fight, and then the third piece was three hours before the fight, and then the fourth one was back to the fight, and then back three hours before, or no, a day before the three hours when Jada saw the ambulance, and now we don't know where she, you know, it was like such a, I don't know, very confusing. I was like, okay, well, exactly where is he, and does Jada know that he's uh, Iron Fist because of the timing and everything, or what's going on here, you know? I think, uh, I 
think, a three ninety nine price tag for a story mostly about an overweight man and then a backup story that's a couple pages long is, is quite a bit. You know? <laughs> and for, you know, a lot of sketchy art, too. i, I got to agree with you. Some of the... Some of the um, uh, uh, jump backs and the incontinuity and, and looking in the past. Some of those those artists were really good and, and it matched the time. But yeah, the art is pretty flaky and, and you know just for four bucks, you almost do want to just go right to the cell pile. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, like I said, it's gonna have to be. They're gonna have to be really good. The next ones. No, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Are we done with that one? Yeah, man, that was great. All right, let's do uh, New Avengers 55. I'm going to have to... I'm a sucker. I, I, well, actually, no. I know I put this in the cell pile. I put this in the cell pile because of the art. And I started looking at it, and I know you were talking about Stuart Eminem, uh last time, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, Can't see... Do it. <laughs> I just... I like his art for um, the ultimate stuff, but I couldn't do it for this. And I, I, I think it was because it was such a big change, and because this is a core title to what's going on in the Marvel U right now, it's just way too cartoony. Expect better. I do. I expect their top books to be their top artists, and I don't know, I don't know what the deal is with that. But I mean, as you look through this, it's pretty self-explanatory. I'm a sucker for Bendis. I really am. And uh, <laughs> what do you feel about his stuff? Uh, I think he's usually hit or miss. But I've loved uh, what he does with Avengers because I always thought I, I'm not not as much so right now, but at the beginning of New Avengers when you had Cap and Wolverine and Iron Man, Spider Man, it's like that's what the Avengers are. It's like Marvel's version of the JLA. You need to have the biggest, most popular, heavy hitting characters in the Avengers book, and that's the Avengers. You mean uh, during Breakout? Yes, like those first six issues. Like those are the Avengers. Those, that's the Marvel team. I think you're right. And I jumped on. I jumped on late for that, but I, I went back and I read that, and I, that's when I. That's the first Avengers I ever started reading. And I was. I was always like, oh, Spider-Man, and then some of the X-Men and stuff. But then when I when I hit uh, Bendis Avengers, I was like, yeah, this is nice. This is good. And even the even the uh, even the Mighty Avengers. I like how he handled them. I'm with you, man. I totally agree. He's, I, I typically. I would say nine out of ten times I probably like his stuff. Yeah, but you're right. Sometimes it is like, sometimes it's an off issue, and I don't know what causes that. All right, so here we are. We start in the Hellfire Club, and there's this big fight between Hood and uh, the New Avengers. They thought they were going to be fighting the Dark Avengers, if I recall, but Hood's gang shows up. They retreat. Cap comes back. I didn't understand this part. Cap comes back and sees a mess in his apartment. And it doesn't even look like Cat from the art. He sees Wolverine leaping. I think he's pretty disgusted. Um, then it cuts to a piece of Stark tech that was brought to Jonas Harrow. Who is Jonas Harrow? Do you know who he is? Never heard of him. I was looking over your notes. Never heard of that dude. Uh, I thought I wrote it down, but anyway, I don't know exactly. He's just a like the thinker or something. I'm not sure exactly, but. He's a guy who knows his stuff, I guess. I don't know. But then we <laughs> we, we hit uh, back at the Avengers hideout, which looks different than it was uh, before, so I don't know where Cap came in and was watching Wolverine. Uh, we, we see um, Jessica Jones, and she's talking to Peter. Uh, he's 
He's saying, why in the world did I tell you my name? I like this. This was a good scene. I like them, the chemistry they have. Um, Bendis really makes it work. I like how he said he said that uh, Luke Cage has a man crush on him. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was great. He's like, Luke Cage? Luke Cage? I'm pretty sure he has a man crush on you. He's like, oh, what? What? You're like his hero. You know that. You're like, you'd be amazed how little I know about so many things. <laughs> anyway, I like how Bendis writes Spider-Man because you never get the... You never get the tormented Spider-Man, which we do in Amazing all the time, which is good. That's what makes his character. But you do get the the Spider-Man, like, from the outside looking in, you know, instead of inside looking out. So I think think it's a good dichotomy. Then it cuts back to the Hood's hideout. People are like, why are we paying this guy? Or, you know, why why are we letting him be in charge? And then um, they say that they have something to get his attention. Uh, Jonas Harrow brings out that Stark tech. Then again, back at Avengers, Avengers Hideout, they're talking about um, what to do about Osborn. And I think really this was a stepping stone issue um, just to get us one step closer to this thing called the list. It really, it's like just Norman Osborn versus Clint Barton, and uh, who's Ronan right now something to to get everybody fired up and start taking sides and saying, hey, we're not going to do this. Hey, we are going to do this. He deserves to die. He doesn't deserve to die. So we do see that. And then Cap's trying to say something. Um, He's talking about something, trying to bring up, I guess, the mess. I don't know. We never really quite figured that out. Uh, They're called away. Uh, Somebody's releasing some sort of gas right there in Times Square, and then the Avengers go down and pretty much get their bucks kicked right away. And the gas takes them all out. And then we're cut at the end to um, plan worked to be continued. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully he's not, hopefully Stuart Eminem is not the stay on artist with this. So you can only pray. <laughs> all right, well, what, what don't you like about his art? I'm with you. It's cartoony. It, he, would be, he would belong better in like a Marvel Adventures title, you know? Yes, you are correct. Now look, one page, one page down. The Vengeance of Moon Knight. I don't know if we'll be doing this. I'm, a, I dig the Moon Knight character, but look at that. That's Lionel. You, are you, are you down with that? That doesn't look like his stuff. It does. If you look at the, if you look at the, pen, the shading. Well, I mean, that's what it is. It's like it's not inked like it normally is. Maybe that's it. But I know you can't see his tear ducts. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, man, when I saw this picture, I, I was like, oh, this is Yeah, but, okay, so that's the cover, but then look at the inside. No, the inside, that's no. Lionel. The inside's not that good. But I don't know if that, is that Lionel you on the inside? It, yeah, it says Lionel on the, on the front. No, it's uh, I, uh, Jerome Opeña. Jerome Opeña. Yeah, the inside, but the cover is. No, yeah, no, the co- that's what I'm saying. The cover's fantastic. Oh. That's Lionel U. Yeah, I like the cover. That's yeah. pretty freaking sweet. If Jackie let me, I'd put these posters up. <laughs> and no place to put them. talking to her. Tell her that you're going to throw your head on the toilet seat if she doesn't let you do it. That's it. I'm going to slam my head and split my head on the toilet seat. And you're going to have to clean up the blood. <laughs> Call other people mommy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, see, that was a sell. And that New Avengers is usually not a sell. Um, we're yeah, gonna, that's kind of point. Yeah, I know, but I'm hoping the next one was. I, I like the stuff with Brother Voodoo better than this stuff. So, what do you think about the lineup right now? 
these Avengers. Oh, no, I like him. He makes them work. I mean, he makes the characters, the actual team, he makes them work. Um, I'm, I'm way more confident and okay with them than I am with the Mighty Avengers. I think that lineup is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, we talked about that. Yeah, I don't see how you can use those characters. I mean, Dan Slott must really like a challenge. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we had Spider-Man, the big Spider-Man 600. And I'll try to go through this quick, because it was a long one. It was 100 pages, man. All right. Yeah. So uh, we begin, Dr. Octopus is telling this doctor that he's had several concussions, 86 separate cases of concussions. We're reminded that he is a supervillain only because of his arms, and we're not, not because he has super strength or anything. The doctor tells him that he only has 18 months left. And Dr. Ock says, no one will forget my name. Uh, four months pass, we see Spidey and Daredevil top the anonymous villain hangout established in Spider-Man Tangled Web, the bar with no name. Uh, police show up, and Spider-Man and Daredevil start swinging across town, and they start talking about um, how they just took out the, the biggest supervillain hangout. Spidey, again, has loose lips. And he actually says Matt Murdock's name instead of Daredevil, and then he begins to uncharacteristically reason that he should tell Murdock his secret identity. And I blame Dan Slott for this. <laughs> That's not... Spider-Man does not say, oh, you know what, it's just not fair. Anyway, Daredevil <laughs> stops him, and he says, again, and we talked about this last time, there's something that is keeping you secret, so he instructs Spidey to keep it secret, keep it safe. Uh, we get a scene change. Peter gives Ben Yurick some photos. Ben is like, that's great. I love these photos. Why aren't you at uh, Aunt May's rehearsal dinner? Because she is about to get married to J. Jonah Jameson's father. Pete goes on the subway in order to save web fluid and money. And he is late as usual as he arrives. Uh, Aunt May and Jay are wishing their attendees good night. And she forgives him quickly, and so does Jay. But Jay leaves because he's got stuff to do. And May asks him if he can count on him to walk her down the aisle tomorrow at the wedding. Peter says he will always be there for her. If it's important, I think he says. If it's important, I'll always be there. Uh, when it comes to the big things, I will always be there for Oh, you. that's what he says? All right. There. Good. You got it open. The little things, not so much. <laughs> no, no, you can't count on me for the little things. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Before we can get to the wedding, however, Doc Ock decides to put his plan into effect and he unleashes a bunch of Octobots to integrate with every computer system in the city. Uh, he controls them through a helmet and he sees Spidey swinging by one of the view screens and he smashes it, the bane of his existence. He then comes across a news feed that has a wedding announcement and he ponders what it could have been like back in Amazing Spider-Man 131 when he was at the same altar with that woman, Aunt May. Uh, we switch to the wedding planning central at the Parker residence where tons of phones, phone calls are coming in about cancellations of cakes, flowers, and even the minister. And Jay suspects that Jonah is behind it, and he goes to publicly confront him. After his altercation, he goes back up to his apartment, and he is attacked and captured by Octobot. Uh, May goes to the cemetery to reaffirm that it is okay from long-since-gone Ben if she married Jay. Peter, who is looking for a date to the wedding, goes and calls Carly and is attacked by the entire city. The traffic lights, the electrical boxes, lampposts, everything's out to get him. Uh, the Avengers show up and tell him to get out of town because he is obviously the reason for all this. And as you can see, this is, this is like, I, I, I'm struggling at this point with this story. 
Carly and Nora Winters, who is a, I think she works for Frontline. She's a reporter for Frontline. He gets nabbed, they get nabbed by the Octobots while investigating Jay's disappearance, and Spidey heads to the Baxter building to get some smart guy help from Reed Richards. While Reed is taking on the city, uh, Johnny Storm and Spidey track down Doc Ock's hideout and go looking for a fight, oh, and to save the girls too. The girls and Jay have been encased in Octo arms themselves, and Spidey has to fight them without, getting, without hurting them. While Storm gets them out, the, a fantastic Ramita-style fight ensues between Doc Ock and Spidey, and eventually Spidey grabs the headgear, controlling everything in the city, and turns it off. The Octobots attack, and Spidey looks like he's a goner, but good old Johnny Storm comes back, and he burns right through him. Doc Ock gets away in a Doom-style mail tube that they have at the ATM machines and your bank, <laughs> so he escapes through one of those. Everything is almost back to normal, but now Pete is going to be taking Michelle Gonzalez to the wedding instead of Carly, which is his former roommate's sister who is, who is now in his apartment. The wedding turns out great, but Jonah has to fill in for the minister spot. But when May throws the bouquet, the girl who, that catches it is Mary Jane, and finally we have her back in the comics. Uh, there were many backup stories for this. That was the main story. Backup story number one, Identity Crisis. A shrink, a shrink gets to visit uh, Spider-Man in all his incarnations, and then he has to go and see a shrink himself. That was done by Stan Lee. Um, my brother's son was backup story number two. Ben and May struggle to raise an orphan. Uh, ben tries to tell Peter that his dad would be proud of him, but all in the end that we find out is that Peter just wants Ben to be proud of him, which I thought that was touching. Story number three by Gale, right? Uh, if I were Spider-Man, kids on the playground are talking about uh, the struggle of being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Would you tell people? Would you bask in the fame? Also, you would put your loved ones in, uh, in potential harm, and uh, would you wallow in anonymity? And so I thought that was good, too. Uh, backup story number four, May visits Ben. She goes to the cemetery. We have a nice long chit-chat with Ben, and it starts raining, and she takes that as a sign of a blessing to Mary J, which was weird because we saw this in the comic, I thought. So I don't know why they had a backup story that had what happened in the comic. Uh, backup story number five, Fight at the Museum by Zeb Wells. Always a good writer, I think, especially for Spidey. He's pointing out the epic fails of Spider-Man as seen through Peter's eyes. He wants to defend the Spider-Mobile, of all things. It's in, it's in the museum, and the kids are laughing, and Nora Winters is laughing at it, and he's like, oh, he had a good reason. Uh, but in the end, a mom grabs her kid that's making fun of the Spider-Mobile by the arm. Apparently, his dad was saved by Spider-Man, and he said, making fun of a national hero. I raised you better than that. That was kind of cool. I liked the end of that. And then the last one, backup story number six, Violent Visions. Madam Webb is attacked by an unknown assailant, but probably something to do with the girl Craven, the woman Craven. My notes on this one were, Bermuda's art was great. It was like good old Spider-Man. It was really good. Um, the Doc Ock costume was good. Uh, it was way better than Ramita's Venom slash Scorpion costume in uh, New Ways to Die. I didn't like them taking out the bar. I don't like the bar to begin with. The, the bar with no name where all the villains hang out. 
But if it's yeah. out, then keep it out. Don't bring it back. That's what I say. If you take it out, that's it. <laughs> Be done with it. Yeah. Just become too cliche. <laughs> I had uh, Peter is awful careless about a secret identity, and I don't think that's good characterization. But Daredevil is freaking awesome. I, I, I hands down, he is fantastic. I love that guy. It seems like Pete would be worried about missing the rehearsal more than saving money and webbing when he takes the subway to go see Aunt May. But then again, he goes and uses webbing to go see Carly. So we can really see where his priorities lay. I think that's really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous. He's like, well, I'm going to save webbing when it really counts, but now that I'm going to go see Carly, I'm going to web over and the whole city's going to attack me. Yeah, that's a good point. That's <laughs> like... That's, like, ridiculous. Anyway, anyway. Uh, it was a good use of the cast. Carly, Nora, Mary Jane, Jay, Human Torch. Uh, not so much the Avengers, though. I didn't like how Dan Slott did the Avengers. I thought it was cheesy. I wasn't a fan of Doc Ock's motives. I mean, it didn't really seem like he was, you know, had a good reason for anything. Sure. Good use of a uh, fighting scene and spider sense. Way to go, J.R. J.R. Jr., Man, he is the he's like the epitome of the of the Spider Man artist, I gotta say. Yeah. He's he is, the one. If any if you want somebody to write, draw Spider Man, it's him or McFarlane, you know. Yeah. Nobody else should be allowed to draw him. <laughs> I don't think McFarlane should draw anybody else except Spider Man and Venom. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. His people are terrible. <laughs> I guess that's it. What what do you think? I mean, it looks really interesting. It's one that, I mean, you know, there's some you thumb through and you're like, cool, I'm done thumbing through it. But this one you thumb through and you're like, crap, you know, I just need to sit down and read the whole thing. You yeah. know, it's definitely worth more than a thumb through, especially, you know, with his art it being issue number 600. You've got Aunt May, you know, getting ready to get married to, Sp- to Spider-Man's, you know, one of his biggest villains, Dad. You know, it, there's just so many different, there's so many different angles the story could have gone and it it just doesn't sound like maybe Slot necessarily pulled it off. I was I was I was happy about the the Fantastic Four being brought in. I, I did enjoy that, and I do like the the Human Torch Spider Man angle. And he did. I think it was a Dan Slot book where he did tell Fantastic Four who he was. So that's probably so he could do this later on. Um, I was kind of disappointed just because Spidey puts on the helmet and fixes everything. I mean. <laughs> He's supposed to be super smart, but you know, I I don't know. That was that was the one thing. And but the fight scenes are really good. And the positioning of Spider Man, I don't know, it, it harkened back to the days of like not that these stories were good, but like, you know, Amazing Spider Man volume two, one through twelve, one through thirteen, and the same with Peter Parker, Spider Man. Oh, it was it was good. What do you think about Anne maybe getting married? Um, you know what? Marry her off or kill her. One of the two. <laughs> that's that's it. Like, I don't think you can do much else with her. You know? Well, it's, it's, I think it's kind of interesting that this is already happening because I mean, we had one more day and brand new day, so we could get Spider-Man back to old school. But this is not, you know, this is not in with keeping Spider's promise of you know we want to get back to the more supporting cast. Where you're marrying off his his Aunt May. You know, it just doesn't sound like a. It doesn't seem like a normal character progression. Oh, I know. I, 
I know. In and of itself, I, I thought this. I thought this was a keep. I, I had this as a keep because you know the the art was good. It's number six hundred, but the story wasn't all that compelling. It had good backup stories though, very heartfelt. But I, I think you're right. I, I'm interested to see where they go because I'm interested in the character of Spider-Man, but I don't think they're doing what they said they were going to do. So. Yeah, what was the point of putting the genie back in the bottle? Because, I mean, it seems like this, all this stuff could have happened with him still being married. Right. Like, oh, well, I don't think we're going to be able to change that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, they may, but we're, we're going to see. I mean, 601, they have a, we're getting some Mary Jane in there, so we're going to read that this next time. All right, let's do this. X-Force 17, I've been waiting for your, your critique of this. X-Force 17. Why don't you go ahead and do the summary? All right. Um, well, we've got X-Force 17. I have not read the previous 16 issues. So coming into this, I had known just a little bit about it. Uh, but we open up with the Leper Queen with a gun to Boom Boom or Boomer or Meltdown or whatever she's going by this week, uh, <laughs> holding it up to her head. And just as she's getting ready to go, though I do know that previously she was killed. So that kind of made me question what was going on. Right. It jumps X-23. So apparently this goes along with some more of that time traveling we were talking about, and you can just jump in and save the day, because she blows Leper Queen away. So Leper Queen thanks her. So that's kind of interesting. I'm not sure where that's going. Um, just as she takes down the Leper Queen, X-23 passes out. In jumps Osborne's people with Hammer. Uh, they make some small talk with Boomer and uh, each other, and Boomer, boom, boom, meltdown, passes out. They take X-23 away, and then we have this weird segue to Wolfsbane or Ron Sinclair and some guy from Asgard. What's his name? Herman Hari? Hari? I forget, man. But his hair cracks me up. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's like Dragon Ball Z or something. <laughs> it is. So what? Uh, Him Hari, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Him Hari. There's some vibration going on, and what do you know? It's Frost Giant. Who would have thought? <laughs> but then that abruptly stops, and we're in the United Nations all of a sudden. So the United Nations are there, and we've got Stephen Lang and Bolivar Trask. Um, presenting to the United Nations how they want to get together the MRD, which was very interesting because that's kind of what's going on in the uh, Wolverine and the X-Men animated series. Right, and that's um, why this was a keep for me, because th that's the I only was, reason. It was very cool to see that intertwined, same writers, you know. Right. Um, but we see the mysterious uh, flavor saver chin hair of Bastion. <laughs> he is the one actually talking through both Stephen Lang and Bolivar Trask um, as they present the MRD uh, the United Nations. And it's cool. Gabriel Heller's there, too. And that's a nice little cameo. All right, now, who um, is that? I, I need you to explain all these people. All right, let me... I'll go ahead and finish up the summary of this, and we'll jump back to that. Okay, all right. Um, then we jump in a van, and we've got Surge and Hellion trapped. Surge starts lightning out like crazy, and Hellion escapes. Surge can't stop lightning out. Um, they try to get her under control. Nothing happens. And all of a sudden, all of the people's heads fall off. And you look, and it's Wolverine cutting everybody into little pieces. Uh, <laughs> then their arms start falling off. There's a guy cut in half. Feet are disappearing. And it's Archangel. So that happens. Elixir shows up and starts to do some healing. <laughs> um, but Archangel's out of control, and Wolverine 
stabs him, uh, gets Archangel to mind to come back to where it is. Uh, Wolverine says the Archangel to go get Scourge because he's lightning out of control. I don't know what Archangel can do about that, but that's what he sends after him. Um, we split over to Domino. Uh, it's very covering from the time travel, what it looks like. And she looks up, and it, the sky is filled with lightning. Uh, that's where the issue ends. And uh, like I said, you know, I hadn't read the, the previous issues, but I had, I had enough information to kind of guess what was going on. Right. Um, I thought it was a it was interesting because I had not read X Force before, and I knew that it was bloody and stuff. I just didn't anticipate people being cut in half and heads falling off. <laughs> I was just kind of shocked by that. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, taking out all the stops with it. Yeah, but it, I don't know. It's cool that there's, you know, a gritty title that could be under Marvel Knights or something, but it's a little bit out of, I mean, I don't know. Wolverine's, people write Wolverine in many different ways, you know. They've got the Berserker Killer, and then they've got, like, everyone's friend on X-Men, and then there's, like, a new Avenger version, and then there's a Wolverine that's in Origins, and then there's a Wolverine... It's been all, uh, you know, 100 million one-shots. Then there's X-Force Wolverine. So, I mean, he's just a character that's never written consistently anyways. So, I want to say that this is out of character, but it just depends on who writes him. It kind of goes against the whole, you know, X-Men don't kill, but that's not really the purpose of X-Force. You know, it's kind of Cyclops' little, uh, little killing machine team, I guess. So... I think this does, you raise a really good question saying, you know, who is this person, who is that person? Because this issue comes with a lot of baggage. And if you aren't a diehard X-Men dude, you're going to have some questions, you know? Right. Well, this this whole series has, uh, this whole series has had a lot of those characters in it. I don't know who they are. I've been trying to piece it together, and I know the core team, but that's it. I don't know who all the villains are. Well, we'll go with just. I'll just give you a, you know a couple sentences for who some of these people are. Um, Boomer, Boom Boom Meltdown. She, uh, I, I think she's going by Meltdown right now. I'm not really sure. Uh, she used to be with X Force. She used to be a New Mutant. Um, so it kind of wraps around because you know we've got Domino and Warpath and and all those people on here. Okay. Um, she was in Next Wave. I don't know if you read Next Wave or not. Okay, she was on. She was in that for a little while. As soon as that series closed, she kind of disappeared. Um, she ha- she can make like uh, time bombs. She counts down and throws those. They explode. Uh, she's a pretty interesting character. I, I like her. I was kind of sad to hear that she died. So I guess it's cool that she's back. Uh, Leper Queen was just a two-bit character that only appeared in a couple issues of X-Men a couple years ago. Um, her daughter was a mutant that could make sparks or fire. She set the house on fire. Uh, she, the, the five-year-old daughter, she died, um, and in the process, it burned her her mom, who was the leper queen. It just scarred her like she looks now. And at that point in time, that's when the leper queen decided that all mutants had to die. So that's where leper queen comes from. Good. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of strange that she's here. Um, I don't. I think. Prim Hari, I'm assuming he's a new character. I've never heard of him before. He's the dude that was uh, hooking up with Wolfsbane. Oh, okay. No, from he, Asgard. Uh, I, I believe he's in um, Early New Mutants, and he's the, the Wolf Prince of Asgard. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'd never heard of him before. 
But that was kind of a weird part of the issue, too. It's just all this blood and gore and stuff, and then Wolf Bane and him are sleeping on the, on the rug. And then the Frost Giants show up. What yeah. in the world? Okay, we've got um, Stephen Lang and Bolivar Trask. Uh, they created and manufactured the Sentinels, where they come from. They're, they're like, way back from, like, 1963, 1964, when they appeared. But they were both killed, and they're back now. So that has to do with, um, I believe, Bastion. Isn't he resurrecting all these villains? Okay, so they they made the Sentinel? Yes. Okay. Back in the day, they were the originator. Okay. Uh, One one created them and one manufactured them. I, I don't remember which one, but I don't think it's a huge deal, but... So always been pretty much what do they have together. to do with um? Oh, what's that dude's name? The guy from the Purifiers. Do they have anything? Bastion. No, he's currently in like the Uncanny titles. Um, I think I got him mixed up. Trask, Reverend Stryker. Who's he? Oh, Reverend Stryker. He he is like this religious zealot that believes that you know that that mutants are an abomination. Um, they're not from God. They need to be exterminated. Okay, so he's not associated with these people? You know, I don't know, because I know that all these characters have been hanging out in X-Force, but I'm not really sure how they how they intertwine. Gotcha. I haven't read the first 16 issues. But that <laughs> is on the list, and I'm going to get on that, because I love these 90 ki- these characters that no one else knows. I just love them. <laughs> okay, good. Um, all right, now who's uh, Gabrielle Holler? Gabrielle Holler, uh, she hooked up with uh, Charles Xavier, and they had a son named Legion, and Legion is the guy that was responsible for the Age of Apocalypse. Oh, so he's back in New Mutants right now. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's his mama. She works, I guess, for the United Nations to, in, for the Israel part. <laughs> 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 All right. And then uh, ba- and you know Bastion? No, I don't. He was is he like he's associated with Nimrod or no? Yes, he uh he came during Operation Zero Tolerance back in the mid nineties. Um and his goal was to destroy you know, not just necessarily maybe destroy him, but capture them all and uh so he, he got the government behind him and he just went after everybody and caught Wolverine and Storm and Jubilee and um he was really working it. Uh, but then he was defeated and it turns out that he was a combination of master mold and Master Mold is the guy that created the, like, the big machine that pumps out the Sentinel. Right. He's a combination of Master Mold and Nimrod because there was this thing back in uh, the Australian Outback in, uh, in some X-Men issues in the early 90s, late 80s, when they, when they lived in Australia called the Siege Perilous. And when you would go through the Siege Perilous, your life would come out. You would come out and your life would be totally different. And they they both went through at the same time. They were pushed by Rogue. They both went through at the same time and merged and created Bastion. Holy cow! You know a ton of this stuff. Okay, well, I mean, can you wrap your head around that? You know, it's like whoa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he was Bastion was killed off. His head was cut off, and they thought that they were done with him. Uh, but it looks like he's back. I think those are those. I think those are most of the obscure characters from this issue. But yeah, I mean, this was my first issue of X Force. I thought it was awesome. It was really cool to see Archangel back, and just like I said, you know, I like these B-list '90s characters, and uh, it's really just cool to see them back and, and doing something. They're not dead. 
and not dead. <laughs> yeah, they were, but they're back. Right. It's a comic book. <laughs> no, that is good. Yeah, well, see, that's why I, I started reading all this stuff, and I was like, I know I've heard their names. I know, like, with the old cartoon, with the new cartoon, and with what's going on in Uncanny, I've heard their names before, but I don't know what's up. And I did read uh, the first 16 issues of X-Force, but I was more in it for what was going on with um, Cable and uh, Messiah War, and I wasn't sure how they were going to tie all this together. I think they stole, like, a vial of the Legacy Virus. That's what the opening recap page said. So we're going to have to see how that plays into it, too. But would you say that, did you have this in your key pile? Um, only because of the MRD, though. Because oh, okay. I was like, as soon as they said MRD, I was like, holy cow, did we get a <laughs> glimpse of what's going to happen in the 616 in Wolverine the X-Men? So, yeah. I don't know, we'll have to see. But if that's true, then that's like, are they going to bring that into the 616? And I mean, they can't. They can't. Uh, with with the relationships that are going on, but I want to know, you know, are we are we missing any hints in that show? That'll be good. I, I mean, just after reading this one issue, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to read all the rest tonight, you know. <laughs> it's, it, and I really enjoyed the art. I I didn't think I would, but it's just a different take. It's kind of dark and gritty. I like. It. Yeah, that variant cover, man. That's. <laughs> That. That's messed up. Some of the you're gonna like the art. I, I I don't think this art was as good as um, some of the previous stuff. So I think you really like the other stuff. Well, I'm looking forward to reading some more of this X Force stuff. We'll Love it. We'll get you. We'll get you caught up. How how long have we been on? Are, are we going on um, one hour and forty five minutes? Is that what we're going on right now? Yeah, I'm at I'm at eighty nine minutes. <laughs> All right, so that's, <laughs> that's like an hour and a half. All right. Well, um, we were going to do some uh, catching up on X-Men Legacy. You were going to explain. If you want to go through that, we had Claremont Corner where I did break down and I, I, I swallowed my pride and I read Days of Future Past, the two episodes, or the two issues. Um, I did do that. Then. Yeah, how about we do like maybe the next one can be kind of an X-Men special then. Okay, all right, we can do that. So we can... Um, the next one will be we'll do X Men Legacy, we'll do Claremont Corner, and then we'll catch up on X Force. How about that? That sounds great. And then we'll we'll do those, and then uh, and I'll figure some I'll figure some other stuff out. So, because I don't want to keep you too long, and actually Jackie just called me and I hung up on her. So. <laughs> oh, yikes! <laughs> oh no, why? <laughs> but tell Jen hi. Uh, until next time, this is. Um, 616 Politics. Take it easy. Have a good one, Jared. You too, buddy. Tell Jackie we said hey. All right. We'll do. All right. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. End of recording. To play, press 1. To discard, press 3. For additional options, press 0.